And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school, not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaming up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana. They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Like always, uh, thank you for spending some time with me on this Thursday evening at six o'clock. I'm going to try to make sure we, at longest, only keep it to an hour unless there's questions. I'm always available to stay a little bit longer for questions. Um, and uh, uh, because we're recording it, if you do decide to use your child's name, please first name only and do not reference other children by names. Um, I think today, though, we're going to be talking mostly about uh, each other and the adult relationships. And for me, this also means the relationship with exes, um, our, our co-parents. When I say adult relationships, a lot of the times the, the assumption is I'm talking about your spouse. Um, but I also am going to reference, and I certainly want to talk about relationships between couples, but I also want to talk about the relationships with extended family members and exes, because these are important as well. And I know um, because I, the nature of this business, there are times where um, exes are not involved. And in fact, that might be some of the pain that's being suffered. Some of the trauma that's being suffered is coming from that. And if we've had really traumatic divorces or rough breakups, um, that can play into, you know, I, I appreciate wanting to take care of my adult relationships, but, uh, have no interest in that blankety blank blank. And I recognize that. And I have, I am an ex-husband, um, and my ex-wife and I, we worked really hard, uh, when, when our daughter was younger and times did very well. And at times did not. And at times there was a lot of compromise. I, Sure, it feels like mostly on my part, and she didn't have to compromise at all, ever, not once, but that's absolutely not true, obviously. And we got to talk about that. We got to talk about all the adult relationships. And I'm also, I even want to allude with, with the teachers and with the, when we're talking about taking care of ourselves first, and then we feel like, okay, now I've got me in place. Now I got to take care of my adult relationships um, I'm also meaning your support team. How do you, how do you nurture your support team? How do you nurture your, um, if, if you are relying on some people for advice or a shoulder to cry on or, or someone to lean on or to lift you up when you're just getting smacked down by these kids, 
Um, how do you nurture that? How do we how do we reinvest into this thing that we've been taking um, taking some withdrawals, energetic withdrawals, uh, and and that that concept of an emotional bank account. Um, that's a it's a love and logic concept that we we teach parents to educate their kids. Wow, you're taking a lot out of the energy bank account. And we need to put some energy back in. Oh, I've, I know you want to go to the movies, but that fight took a lot of energy out of me. And before we we talk about movies, I'm just going to need some energy. So, uh, and I just don't have it right now. And when we practice that at a young age, um, with when our kids are a young age, they actually get the clue that we're telling them to reinvest some energy. Um, but we're not talking about our kids. That is one of the first notes, one of the first bits of advice that I can give you when I talk about tending to your adult relationships. How much time in the relationship do you spend talking about the kid? And it's hard when the kid's at the hospital or they're in crisis or they've run away or they're, it's, it's hard not to make that the total sum focus of, of every part of the conversation. And I, my my kids my my daughter is is 22 my son is 21 um we did not have a, a totally breezy and, and for those of you who've been at the parent weekend you you know some of the stories like like i had i had my ups and downs i had i had my struggles with my kids i'm a stepfather and i had to navigate the experience with a a, a biological father who really was not interested in cooperating with me or participating with me or being a part of anything I was a part of. And because he started to bail out more, I started to step in more, which quite frankly caused him to bail out more and caused some friction between my stepson and I. So there I am right back to talking about kids, huh? And we see how easy that is, how easily we can slip right back into talking about the kids. But when was the last time you spent an hour or two in your adult relationship not talking about your kid. I got, I was talking with our, my wife's and my consultant today. We have, we have a life consultant. She helps us with business. She helps us with relationships. She helps us with our kids. And I found myself and my wife getting lectured by our consultant about how our kids have moved into the forefront of of our lives and how we need to approach this next process which is for my wife and I when do we cut them off and I not emotionally obviously but when do we say you are officially out of out of the nest and you are officially on your own financially everything your phone bills your your medical bills everything and it it was my consultant who said this is about what you're willing to do. You keep trying to make it about what they need and what they want. And man, and there I was right back in the old trap of trying to put my kids' needs first. So my wife and I are now in the position of having a conversation about our children based on us and not based on the children. And when we're going to talk about consequences for our kids, how do we do that by taking care of our relationship with our adult partners. When we're going to talk about financially supporting our kids, how do we do that, keeping the care of our adult relationships foremost? Well, how do we have a conversation about our kids without mentioning our kids? 
What I find with my wife and I, one of the strategies is to go back to revealing to each other how our parenting is a result of how we were parented. I recognize today that a big thing that my wife and I are struggling with with our own kids is fairness. Making sure that it's really fair for our kids of how we're supporting them. And we've done a good job. You, our kids probably wouldn't agree, but, but it reminded me that when I was a child, that was a big deal in my family. I remember being told, you can't sign up for soccer because it's, it's your brother's turn. Now, my wife has a different experience where things were just, fairness was not talked about. But what I noticed um, was in both of our families is that the adults were in charge. And so we come back to that piece that we discussed at the Parent Weekend about are these 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids qualified to run the house? And they're not. So how do we get back to the adults running the house? Well, the adults have to invest in each other and in the emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental bank accounts that we each hold and take withdrawals from. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we take from our partners. First of all, we use our partners. We use our adult relationships as a place for us to vent. And that is taking a withdrawal. That is not giving a deposit. So how do we give a deposit? How do we make it so that our partners feel like we are investing in them and we are investing in a relationship? Well, what do they find important? Um, If you've never if you've never heard of it, the five love languages is a great start. This is a great PDF. You can Google uh, uh, five love languages PDF. The entire book is online. I'm looking at it right now. There are all kinds of versions of it. You can do the five love languages for kids and for extended family and blah, blah, blah. But once again, back to us. What is the love language of your adult partner? How do they experience love? I know that my wife experiences love through special time together, doing special things. That's going for a walk, going to a yoga class together. I hate yoga. Um, Just want to be clear. Uh, Doing the dishes together, Um, but just special time, doing something special. But that's not my love language. That is hers. My love language is touch and compliments. Um, so what if, what if you wrote down a list of how your partner, your, um, your, your adult relationship, your primary adult relationship, how do they show love to you? What if you wrote that down? What, what is the theme that would emerge? A big doing things for someone else is one of the love languages. Doing special events with someone else is a love language. Touch is a love language. Um, Positive words is a love language. How does your adult relationship communicate love to you? How does it invest in you? And how do you invest in them? What if you wrote a list of how you're investing and how they're investing in you? And if you both do that and you compare the lists, would they be the same? Would they recognize, would my wife recognize that me vacuuming, doing the laundry and doing the dishes is a way of me saying, I love you. It's not just, I'm, and and trust me, I'm not helping my wife with the chores. Those are my chores. Those are, that's, that's my contribution to this house and this household that we have. Um, 
But those are not acts of love. Those are not investments in her language. And rather than saying that she should see them that way, what my responsibility comes to is what does she see as an investment? doesn't change the fact that I still want to do the laundry and the vacuuming and the dishes. That's, that's, that's how I contribute. But my contribution may not necessarily be speaking love to my partner. So make a list. How, how, are, how is love being expressed to you? And are you receiving it when they, when they are doing these things and you're recognizing it? Oh, when he does that, he's, that's one of the ways he says he's love, he loves me. But are you receiving it? And it's hard to receive it if it's not your language. The other thing that has come up from this from my wife and I understanding the five love languages and, and learning how to communicate with each other is the, the, the practice of asking questions. Now, this is a relatively new thing. And I actually saw this. And I've, my wife and I have been together for a long time. We've celebrated our 12. One thing that I saw recently on Facebook was this, this game um, for developed relationships to get deeper. And it was a questions asking game. And I got it for Valentine's Day and and we pulled a card, opened it up and she pulled a card and the question was really good. And it really got us talking and and it kept us very conscious. And the other night when we went out for Chinese food, um, I pulled up 35 questions to ask on a, on a date. And we just started asking each other questions. And it, it surprised me how much I didn't know about her childhood. And then when I was revealing some stuff to her, she didn't know about how I almost committed suicide. And I had never thought to tell her. Um, and, it, and it's not something I've ever kept hidden because a lot of your kids know. <laughs> so this question thing is starting to ask questions again. That's an investment. I want to I wanna understand. I want to know. So I'm going to take a second here and I'm going to take the microphones off mute and see where we are with things. And we're just getting started here. I'm going to find my dashboard here. Hang on. There it is. All right. I'm going to be taking stuff off mute for a second. Any questions, comments, concerns, or critiques, all are welcome. And everybody is, I can see that everybody is off mute. So does anybody have anything come up so far? Not yet. Okay, good. Let's get back into it then. When we are looking at reinvesting in the adult relationships, because we have been drained by what our kids have done, what they're not doing, what they said, what they didn't say, um, how do we reinvest? I posted up on our Facebook page the other day, a little thing that said, everything is awful and I'm not okay questions to ask yourself before giving up. And I looked at these questions and I posted this because this is really good self-care stuff, but I thought of how powerful it would be to ask my wife these questions or to have her ask me these questions when I'm just ready to, to, to blow my stack and to just, just give up. And the first question is, are you hydrated? And that makes me laugh because your kids get frustrated with our staff because they'll be like, oh, I have a headache. And the staff says, drink water. And so I think I did. Oh, feel well. Drink some water. Because it so much starts 
with this self-care piece. So if we see our spouse, our partner, our adult relationship, not in taking care of themselves, how do we say, hey, you need to take better care of yourself? Because when we're in the middle of all the crap and crud that our kids are putting us through, suddenly having your spouse, that's going to feel like criticism. And, and what I know about both men and women in criticism is that criticism crushes men. I'm sorry, criticism crushes women. It crushes their spirit. And men just leave. It doesn't crush us, but it's not something that the masculine wants to remain around. And so criticism isn't going to work. And quite frankly, if I'm having a really craptastic day and my wife says, did you drink enough water? It's going to feel like criticism. But there's a, there's a really good piece to that. And the next one is, have you eaten in the past three hours? Have you showered in the past day? Have you stretched your legs in the past day? Just those first four ones, when we recognize that our partner, when our adult relationships are not taking care of themselves, and maybe we're taking care of ourselves, right? Maybe I'm on a roll and I've been going to yoga class now seven mornings in a row and I feel great because that's what happens. I'm stretched out, I'm expanded and I come home and my spouse is, you know, they're crunchy and the first thing they did is they got up and they're, they drank coffee first and they're on Facebook second and, and they're wishing the kid had gotten up and the kid left a mess third. And that's been their morning so far. We come in and be like, are you hydrated? That's not, that's not it. So I think part of the question is, how do you get your partner to take care of themselves physically? Well, how do you get them to remember that physiology first, that that primary concept, that the physical aspect of your relationship, and I'm not talking about the pillow games physical aspect, although that could be a part of it for some people, but I'm talking about have you moved? Have you been sitting all day? Have you stretched? Put on a, a yoga video. How do you how do you inspire a person who's dealing with depression and anxiety over their child to take care of themselves first? I don't think there's a clear answer to that other than to you take care of yourself first. And when you see your adult relationship partner taking care of themselves first, you compliment complimenting is a reinforcement. And when someone is suddenly investing in themselves and you invest in them with a, with a gift of love, it starts with, it, it's, it just, it builds, it builds. And, and we've got a lot to work through. We've got a lot of negative energy with these kids that we've got to get through before we can just yeah, let's hold hands and skip down the effing street together. Like we're not, we may not be there yet, but we all know how important that is. I remembered a parent weekend where the 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 parents were talking about, you know, the the, the kids screaming, and and then they they slam their door to the room, and we just go to bed and we collapse. And, you know, that's some self-care stuff because maybe you just need to go to bed and collapse. But taking care of your adult relationships means that right before you collapse, one of you has the consciousness to say, hey, look at me for a second and take them by the hands. And there's, there's no payout on this. Neither of you are asking for anything from the other person other than eye contact, hold my hands, and one deep 
breath. If Remember, when we talked at the parent weekend, the moment you become aware that you're in lizard mode means you've instantly snapped into wizard. And what if we begin to practice that together? What if going to bed became a conscious act? What if holding hands became a conscious act? What if looking at each other and say, I just need eye contact for one second? That whole thing was a conscious act, which brought you back into your prefrontal cortex. And now the two of you are aligned. You're connected. And remember, that's C. And you couldn't have gotten there without balance. You cannot connect without balance. It's, if, if you think you're connecting, but you are not aware and unbalanced, it's not connection. That's how important these, these walk, taking the dog out and you're going to go walk around the block. Maybe you don't talk. Maybe this is just a moment where you're silent. Maybe this is a moment and, and men who are on the call, I want you to listen very closely. I'm about to give you a secret phase that I learned uh, when I was getting my master's degree at Mann College, you know, because I graduated with top honors from Mann School. <clears throat> and I, I went to get a master's degree at, and at my master's degree in Mann School, uh, I learned a phrase that is really powerful to use with our feminine partners. Now, when I say this, um, again, there might be some eye rolling, but if you use this phrase correctly, it is extremely powerful. And this is, this is kind of like the, uh, um, V in MVE. This is a, this is a validation piece. So I've been a, I've been a guy and I've done something stupid. I have no idea what it is. I don't know when I did it. It could have been six months ago. It could have been six seconds ago, but I've done something stupid. And now my feminine partner is very crunchy and, and, and that, that feminine crunchiness is now affecting me. And as a man, I have, I have two choices. I can compartmentalize that and block it out. And because we can block out anything, it's one of our gifts and it's one of our curses, or I can be become totally overwhelmed and affected by it because we also live by the old adage of mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. So I recognize the crunchy nature of my partner. And rather than turning her into an opponent, I say, what did I do? And in the next five seconds to five hours, I am told, or she says, nothing, it's fine. And now I know I'm really in trouble. But the phrase, with all sincerity and with all reality, because again, it's like the validation piece. It's like using empathy and love and logic. If you fake this, she will know instantly and you're that much more of a D-bag. Okay? So you can't fake this. You say, I'm sorry what I did hurt your feelings. The validity of that statement is important because you did something that hurt her feelings. And it might be the way you parented your kid. It might be the way you looked at her a second ago or didn't look at her a second ago. That part is between the two of you. But the understanding that what you just did hurt her feelings is a consciousness that most men do not possess. And to just realize that you did hurt her feelings 
that what you did hurt her feelings. You know what? If you listen really closely to the statement, I'm sorry what I did hurt your feelings, I'm not necessarily giving up what I think. And I'm not necessarily uh, uh, going back on, on what I've decided is true for me. But I have recognized that what I did hurt her feelings, and I am sorry for that. And that's a powerful, powerful statement. To recognize that any type of criticism, nobody handles it well. I need you to take this feedback. Nobody handles feedback well. And if you do, teach seminars, man, because that's an important thing. So when we're giving feedback to each other, this is where the I statement's starting to start to come in. Because what I cannot handle when I hear parents talk to their kids or parents talk to the to each other are the words, you make me, you piss me off. You frustrate me. You make me so mad. You drive me crazy. No, they don't. You're going crazy. I happen to be in the room. What I said may have really triggered you. But remember, when we're dealing with our kids, we seem to be able to accept that our triggers, these buttons that our children are pushing, they're our responsibility. It's time for us to put that over onto our our adult relationships as well. For those of you who have an ex, and and sometimes it's not working, it's really going south, but there's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of pain there. And we bring that hurt and pain like Samsonite luggage into everything we do and everything we say. And it's understandable, but it's also not our partner's responsibility. It's also not our ex's responsibility. My ex-wife, bless her heart, saved my life. She saved my life by leaving me. I, I look back and I say, oh my God, how could she have stayed? I was, I was drowning us all. And I carried a lot of hurt from that for a lot of years about how she did it. And, and I resented her deeply. And when we would have conversations about our daughter and she would say, I'd prefer if you don't, I brought five years of hurt along with my response. That's survival. That's every time my life has been threatened being put right back into this one conversation. And that's not what it is. But to go into wizard brain to say, man, what you just said really I feel really triggered right now and I don't know how to respond and I'm, I'm feeling really angry and I'm feeling really confused and upset. And that's it. That's it. You, you've spoken your truth and you've not made your feelings someone else's responsibility. And what a perfect moment to say, I'm sorry what I did hurt your feelings. How powerful is it to take responsibility for each other, but not to make the other person responsible? Man, that is what we all want everybody in this world to do, is take responsibility for others, but not make others responsible for them. And so let's let's do that at home. Let's bring that all the way home to say this thing, when you said that to the kid, and now the kid slammed the door, and I actually had a good day with the kid— that's where the I statements come in. 
And I statements are very simply a way of saying, when you do that, I feel this. Do you realize that people can't argue with I statements? If you say, you piss me off, they can say, well, that's your problem. And you know what? I didn't and you shouldn't. But if I say, I feel really pissed off, you can't argue with that. You can't argue with how I feel. You may not like it, but you cannot tell me how to not feel that way. But I have to learn how to communicate the feeling so as to not try to make you have to defend yourself again. You piss me off is violent communication. You drive me crazy. You're not listening. That's violent communication to say, I don't feel heard right now. No, I listen to you. You may have, but I'm not feeling heard. Okay, well, well, what is it you need me to hear? Listen, maybe I'm not saying it well, but I'm going to try again. And I, I really need you to hear. I really need you to make eye contact. I really need you to put your phone down while I'm talking. None of this stuff is possible if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not tending to our own emotional bank account, if we're not tending to our own physical bank account. If we haven't moved our body in the last day, if we haven't cuddled a dog, a a spouse, a cat, if, if, if in the past few days, if we actually haven't seen our own therapist or in the past week or so, in the past two weeks, we haven't seen our own therapist, how... I, you know, do you remember when we talked about needs? I listened to a really fascinating podcast. You remember when we were talking about needs? There's connection, freedom, safety, power, growth. One of the things I heard as I was, I was hearing this, this uh, uh, psychologist talk about modern day marriage was that we suddenly, in, in, since, since the industrial age took over, when we were part of the agricultural age, and even at the beginnings of the industrial age, we did not look at our spouse to fulfill all of those needs. Relationships were for many different reasons. They were for family connection. They were for clan and tribe connection. They were for financial reasons. And it was historically, anthropologists know that those, those things were very clear. You, you, you got a, a, a security here. You've got emotional uh, support over here. With this person, you got physical intimacy. With this person, you got uh, feelings of power and freedom. And in the, in the last uh, 70, 80 years, we have now put all of our needs onto one person. You have to fulfill all of my needs. There's a pro and con to that. And that was the part of the conversation because as soon as he said that, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't need you to fulfill all my needs. There's a a feeling of power that I have when I do my traveling and standing up on stage in front of thousands of people teaching martial arts and having all my guy friends around. That's a feeling of power that I get there that is completely fulfills me. And I thought, and, and the, the, the psychologist talked about how unfair is that that we put all our needs on one person, that we start to walk away from friendships and support groups and, and everything needs to be fulfilled by this person, this one partner. 
Is that even possible? We talked about our kids expressing unmet needs to us in all these ways. And what if we took that home and said, oh my God, when I say that to you, I actually am feeling powerless and I'm expressing that to you by putting you down. And that makes me feel powerful. And that's, wow. But then the psychologist went on to say, what it's done is it's taught us how to get all of these needs met with one person. And those are powerful relationships. When you have one person that can fulfill all these aspects. So yeah, to expect it is is inappropriate, but to work towards it, to become the man that can fulfill all of my wife's needs. I like that. I like that job description. I'll take it. Doesn't mean I'll be successful, but I, I, I'll work for that. I'll, t- I'll try to do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to expect her to meet all of my needs. And I'm going to spend my time searching ways to get my own needs met. And I know my wife is doing the same thing. Now, once again, I don't want this to come off like my wife and I have all these answers and are have got this perfect relationship. We scream at each other just like the next couple. But what I will tell you is that my wife and I have invested in trying to figure this out. You're going to go to YouTube and you're going to dial up a woman named Alison Armstrong. She is cute as a button. She is brilliant. She understands men. And obviously, she can explain what women are going through. And she is one of the best relationship coaches I have ever seen. And I've worked with a lot. I've worked with David Data's uh, top students. um, And I've been a data bot. And that's the book, The Way of the Superior Man, Blue Truth, Intimate Communion. He's not my first recommendation anymore. Um, But that's powerful stuff, David Data's stuff. As long as you remember, it's theoretical. It's good stuff. It's very deeply spiritual, Um, new age spirituality. If you want to have a relationship coaches that very much support a a Christian path of of faith, Um, John, uh, uh, John Eldridge at Wild at Heart. That's very good stuff too. And I know we talked about this in the last Parents Weekend, but for all of you, Alison Armstrong and her videos, when she, 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 she gets it and she gets you talking to your spouse. Now, what about couples counseling? Um, my wife and I have done it. We still to this day and every week meet with, like I said, a life consultant who works with all aspects. We have it, it, we have vetted many, many people over the years, and we've been with this with our with our current, I call our consultant, a coach, uh, an ally, for a long time, and and she's no BS. She pushes us hard, and she pushes pushes us deep. Um, there are lots of uh, um, groups for spouses. Pairs is a good one, um, P-A-I-R-S, and they are around Colorado. Um, you, can't, you can't find a way to this, this person that you've aligned with by yourself. And, and I think it's okay that we say everything we've done in our relationship has got us here. But if we have a vision for our relationship, 
and we're still pulling out old, old crap from the past. But we have this vision. Well, what are we doing to fulfill it? Do we, do we put on Alison Armstrong's uh, uh, videos and then just do dishes together and poke each other when she says something? We're like, yeah, see, I'm not the only one who thinks that, jerk, and vice versa. Um, when was the last time you high-fived each other? Do you remember doing that at the parents' weekend where, where we just high-fived each other when something was good? How do we reinforce the good things? When was the last time we, we've taken the energy and the time to point out the good things? As much as time and energy we take out to point out the stuff that we're so focused on, the, the, the big in-your-face crap that the kids are putting us through. So now it's nighttime. Are you, are you both on separate computers? Are you just watching TV? Are you resisting going to sleep? Are you getting enough sleep? Is, is your sleep, is the quality of your sleep together? And, and men on this phone call, we are all very clear on how much sleep women need, right? That's, a, that's an important piece. And if you're not, if, if what I'm saying about how much more sleep than men, women need, if that's news to you, you need to get on your research right now. They need more sleep. And we need to help create that environment of sleep. Does your partner feel effective? Are you helping them feel effective or do they really think they're ineffective? Not just with you and the relationship, with the kid and life at their job and their work. Women, I want you to understand something about masculine energy. And that is, that is very clearly, if a man has lost his passion, it's because he's lost his purpose. There's not a man with strong purpose that has weak passion. And when I, when I mean passion, I do mean the the physical pillow games, but I'm also talking about that heart, that, that life force energy that, that you fell in love with, that you're looking, that, that, that was so attractive, that gonna change the world, gonna set it on fire, gonna get out there and do it. If, if he loses his purpose in life, or if he feels ineffective in his purpose, that, that ineffectiveness is the same as impotency for men, for us. If, if our design physically is to release energy from within to the world, the goddess, the great shishi, our wives, our spouses, whatever, but it's how we're built. We release life force energy. But if we can't feel life or if we feel ineffective in life, if life isn't responding to our release, then we will lose passion. And our passion is connected with our purpose. That's a big one for men. It's also big to understand that we're moving into a world and into a time. I know I'm waxing philosophical here, but when we are talking about adult relationships, I, I need these basic principles heard. Women don't need us anymore. I can't remember whether I talked about this one, but there was a time where women needed us to worship God for them and own property for them and work for them and vote for them and hunt for them and have and, and be there so that they can have kids. And uh, there were financial dependabilities and um, you couldn't open a bank account if you weren't married. Remember? And that wasn't that long ago. That didn't change till the 60s. Now, tell me what women need from men. I mean, and I mean, really. 
I don't mean the survival stuff, shelter, warmth, water, food. And I know we all want love. But what is it that a woman needs from a man that a woman cannot provide? And for, she can have children without us. Our sperm is in a bank. And, and she can raise the children. That's, that's been proven. That she can fight in the military. So she can fire a gun and hunt. She can uh, own businesses. She can vote. She can worship God without us. There's a big shift going on where the masculine of this world is realizing that the world doesn't need it anymore. Not in the way it's needed it in the past. And when cultures begin to move towards that kind of equality, which is what is necessary and what is happening, what the masculine tends to do is to amplify their fear of powerlessness by making laws over women's bodies and over women's hearts and over women's pocketbooks and over women's ability to earn the same amount. But those are going to fade away. Those aren't sustainable. So what are men left with? And, and for, those of, for those of you who are on the phone right now, for, for the women who are on the phone, who are working with the men in, in your lives, in, in your child's life, I want you to understand at a, at a deep psyche that men have realized deep in our psyche that we are not needed in this world, that this world would go on without us. Now, I happen to think that there's a gift within all this, despite the fact right now that I don't think men know what to do with that concept. There's a deep gift, and the deep gift is we need to find our purpose a real purpose? What are we here to give this world? What are we here to, to be in this world? And if it's, if it's not because I'm needed, you know, I, I have to fulfill these roles, then what is it? What, and it, it will reignite that spark. And man, do you know that women fell in love with your potential? They, they, they see your potential. The, the women have the ability, your daughters have the ability to see your potential. And when we're not living it, them getting crunchy is something that's, that, that happens very quickly because that's the part they fell in love with, that spark, that fire, that life force energy. Because what women are are constant life force energy. They are the essence of life force energy. In our, in our ancient cultures, the goddess was seen as the life force energy. Okay, wax poetic aside. What I'm trying to say is a lot of what we're going through with our kids and in our families and when we're arguing about how we parked the car or what the thermostat is at is coming from a much deeper space. We were, you, you were all willing to agree with me that everything was an expression of need for your children. But as adults, we should have all our needs met. Oh, baloney. None of you think that. I've met you. None of you think that. Your needs aren't getting met. The issue starts to come down is, are we expecting people who can't meet our needs to meet our needs? Or are we hoping that this person who used to meet our needs could find that part of themselves again? Or do we not know how to meet our own needs? And have we even had a conversation about our needs? And how do we express our needs? How do we say to our partner, I don't feel connected? Well, maybe it's that simple, but maybe it's also more delicate. Because it could come off as criticism if you do it from lizard. 
If you're saying, I feel alone in all of this, I feel like I'm the one who's having to be the bad guy and you get to be the nice guy and I'm the one who's being the disciplinarian, well, which need is that? And what if you can start to communicate, um, I don't feel connected with you? Well, look, look at the ownership of that statement. I don't feel connected with you. Now, it's very easy to come back and say, well, that's because you. And if you, then I. But if it's time for us to have a wizard conversation, maybe it's time to say and learn how to say, can we do a wizard date tonight? Or can we have a wizard conversation tonight? Do you guys have your MVE scripts? Are you using MVE on each other? Or did we take this information and try to just put it on the kids? Your partner is a perfect opportunity for you to reconcile the painful relationships of your past. I truly believe that, that we choose the people we're, it, we're with because it'll help us reconcile the, one, the, the, the old relationships that hurt us. Now, whether they're past loves or past parents or whatever, I don't know. That's, that's between you and, and your own two ears. But this person, your ex, your child, these people are perfect for you. They're perfect for you to figure this stuff out, for you to evolve. This relationship that you're in, these adult relationships you are in, are here to evolve you. So what if, just like that Diablo to spirit video, what if we start reframing? We stop looking at the relationship as this one thing, this thing that's causing us pain and looking at it as this others. It's, it's this thing that's forcing us to grow. Are we growing? And if we're not talking about it, then it's a cancer. It's, it's not healing us. But that's not their fault. That's not their responsibility to get you to talk about it. It's not their responsibility to get you to go take care of your body. It's not their responsibility to make sure that you're not paralyzed by your own indecision. So what is their responsibility? Which needs do your partners meet? Write them down. Share them with each other. Do they match? Which, which needs do you think you meet first and which ones last in your partner? Write them down. Can you do this without being defensive? Can you have this conversation without losing your shit? Well, if we expect our kids to, we better be able to. This is, a, this is the big piece. This is the piece where we practice with each other what we're going to model for our kids. And we do it in private because we're going to suck at it at first. We're going to fail. And we'll practice and we'll get better. It's time to bring back date nights. It's time to bring back going to dinner, going for a walk. You know, in Japan, their their doctors are prescribing tree time. They're literally writing prescriptions for people to take walks in the forest and get that energy again. When was the last time you you were in a park? You were in the trees. And when was the last time you invited your spouse? Not expected them to do it, but actually said, I'm going for a walk and I would love it so much if you came with me. And when your spouse asks you, really analyze the excuses that you've got coming up. Really take a look at those excuses. Because you're going to have them. We all do. I hate yoga. Why? Because it, it's uncomfortable. Because I don't know. Yeah. 
hate yoga. I like Tai Chi. And sometimes she comes to Tai Chi and sometimes I go to yoga. I hate yoga. And when she says, I'm going to go tonight, I know it's an invitation. Everything my, my wife says is an invitation. I'm hot. That's an invitation to turn down the heat. And I got to start hearing it like that. All right. I'm going to uh, take the uh, microphones off of mute. Comments, concerns, questions, critiques, criticisms. What do you need? I'm good. I was just going to say I hate yoga too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good for you, though. Oh, my God. I hate it I know so it much. I just feel it's a little uncomfortable, but that's oh. just me. I prefer boxing or something. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I feel so good after a yoga class. I hate how good I feel because there's no arguing with it after. But during, I'm shaking and my arms and that's that's the discipline, right? And there's a difference between discipline and motivation. Like I, can, I can be motivated to do a lot of things, but the discipline to actually follow through so that I feel good, that's that's the hard part. That's that's the daily work. What do I wanna I wanna make sure you're getting what you need from this conversation because I I came to this conversation thankfully because you guys were like, okay, so we got the take care of ourselves thing and we got take care of our kids thing third, but that middle thing, we're really struggling with it. And it really is hard. And I've, I've done men's work for years. I've done relationship coaching. I used to do the family coaching when our program at the beginning age, when we began, but the, the, the specific issues, I, what are the specific issues that you guys are going through when your kid is going through crisis like this? I mean, I think the, the main uh, one that you really uh, touched home on was there hasn't been a time alone where it just hasn't been all about them. You know, you, just every moment is consumed, like even your date night. You know, you're talking about the kid in the hospital or what are you going to do next or this or that. And you just really have to be present in your own relationship and just put that aside for a minute. And sometimes I think that was what was hard. Do you remember we were talking, we were talking a lot about cost and payoff, you know, that what if we could simplify all behaviors down to a 50-50 scenario that, that either... We're getting more than it's costing us, and that's why we do it. Or it's costing us more than we're getting from it, and so that's why we stop. One of the things that we had a uh, we had a uh, uh, a clinical director, and he was a brilliant, brilliant man, Joe Soma. He's a phenomenal thera therapist in Boulder. Anytime people's relationships are hit in the the, the cul-de-sacs, I say you got to go see Joe. Love this man dearly. Um, he talked about how to, when the foundations of something are cracking and creaking, that rather than back off so it doesn't collapse, you actually put on more weight. Now, there's another way to say this. When a kid is saying, you know, oh my God, like my parents are such assholes, blah, 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 blah. And then you start going, I know parents suck. Every single one of them. I hate them all. They're like, well, my parents aren't that bad. And all of a sudden they start defending you, right? Now, the theory behind this is, is that you begin to inflate something until it costs too much. 
So how do we, on date night, I love the example because it happens. My wife and I did it with Fire Mountain. We could never be alone and not talk about our business. And we were like, we have kids? What? Where are they? And But, but the, the business thing, like we had to inflate the cost of talking about business. So how could we do that with talking about the kids when this time is supposed to be about us reinvesting in us, reinventing us, learning about us? But, you know, what are we going to do when she gets out and, and what will she do about school? Oh, crap, I'm talking about it again. How do we inflate that moment? Now, I want ideas from you guys. How do you inflate the cost of doing what you know you shouldn't be doing? Is the payoff is there? I mean, this is this is why. Yeah. This is why. This is why it's so hard. Like, like we we somehow have gotten sold that if they're not front and center at whole times, we're doing something wrong or we're a bad parent. I've got a simple one. This one's and and it's it takes about six times. And I'm talking about you can do six times in literally two minutes. And it starts to work on your psyche. And it's actually, you're gonna laugh at the name. It's called pain aversion therapy. And you put a big fat rubber band around your left wrist and you're out on a date and you're talking and things are going and suddenly you're talking about the kid again and you recognize both of you see <laughs> and you pull the rubber band away from your left wrist as far as you can and you, and you snap it and then you do it two more times. By the third time, and, and a lot of times people will say, you say, all we talk about is the kid. Snap. All we talk about is the kid. Snap. That <laughs> third time when you pull that rubber band out, you don't want to say the sentence because your brain literally, and this is the psychology behind it, your brain says, that thought hurts. Don't have that thought anymore. But you have to do it the third time. And then you have to do this second part too. You have to say, and you start rubbing your wrist and kissing your wrist, and you talk real gentle to yourself. I love how balanced our conversations are and how we can spend our time together totally focused on each other. I love how balanced our conversations are and how we spend our time together focused on each other. And you give yourself love with the opposing thought to the painful one. It literally takes only a few times where your brain says, okay, we got to stop talking about the kid that hurts. And now that's an example. And it's a pretty extreme example. And unfortunately, we <laughs> we can't use that at Fire Mountain because the state of Colorado yeah. doesn't appreciate pain aversion therapy on children. However, I've used that a lot in my life. And it snaps you, forgive the pun, into play. Another way to inflate the cost is to say, all right, um, here's a uh, here's a pot of uh, we're we're both bringing uh, fifteen pennies, and whoever ends up with the most pennies gets to, and you guys can make it up from here. But whoever brings up the kids first throws a penny in the pot, or gives it to the other person, and you trade in pennies back and forth. It's a reframe. All of psychology is a reframe of an experience that we are thinking is positive and need to make negative. You consistently putting your children before yourselves and before your adult relationships has a payoff. Now, the real work that you can start with is, what is it about our relationship? What is it about ourselves? 
that makes us think that the only thing we have to connect on is a child in crisis. Just the way I set up that question is inflating the cost of that conversation. And for the two of you to only talk about yourselves, to only talk about yourselves, not to say, you know what you also do, and you know what I've noticed that you do. You don't, you have to have permission to have that conversation. And if you're going to do, if you're going to say, so my, my loving, sweet love, darling, sweet love, there's <laughs> one more thing that I've noticed that you do. Is now a good time to bring it up? Sure, asshole, go ahead. All right, now you know that's not the right time. But practicing only having conversations talking about your own crap. Where you say, why is it that we keep going to this? Well, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I feel like if we don't work this out, that she's going to die or he's going to suffer. I feel like if, if we don't get on the same page with stuff, and I feel that if you, okay, no, time out, time out. You owe me a penny. <laughs> it's a reframe. Can we turn these heavy conversations into the lighthearted questions where we actually learn more about each other. The questions that my wife and I asked each other on our date night the other night, they were ludicrous. What was the first album you ever bought and why? If you could have five people over for dinner, living or dead, who would they be? Um, what was the first concert you ever went to? Where was your favorite place to live as a kid and why? But we were talking. I love that. It, it, it was a big deal because 35 questions later, we had been there for two hours and we had not talked about Fire Mountain. We had not talked about our own kids. And uh, these things are all over the internet. You can pull it up on your phone and you can take turn asking and you both have to answer. We got to just like all things. When we talk about trying to get our relationships back together. When we talk about trying to create unity so that when we are disciplining, that we're thinking from the same place. My grandmaster Lou told me a story one time. He said, back in the early days in 2008, when I first met him in Malaysia, he said, tell me why people yell at each other. And I said, well, we yell when we're angry. You know, and some cultures just communicate with loud voices because they want to feel important. And he said, no. And I said, because uh, we're not feeling hurt. And he said, no. He said, look at how young couples are. Look at the passion. And look at the passion of the love and look at the passion of the fight. And they're screaming at each other. And then they're madly kissing. And, and the reason why they're doing that is because their hearts are so far apart. That's because they've just met. Now, look at the couples that have been together three years. They talk loud. They, they, they talk aggressively. But their hearts are closer. They don't, they don't have to scream so much anymore. And then look at the older couples who can talk in a whisper. And their kisses are light. And their touches are soft. Because their hearts are very close. The connection is always present. Now, look at the old couples who don't even talk anymore. It's because they, they know, they, they've become, 
that it's intimate communion. And he said, we yell when our hearts are far apart. And what I took that and all this work moving forward is it's a very basic and it's a very generalized story. But the truth of it is, is that we want these really complex fixes because the problem is so complex. When what we did at the Parent Weekend is try to say the, the problems are so complex that we could never give you a tool for all of them. And there's never any guarantee that the tool, the tool we gave you for that problem is going to work or that you're going to remember it. But here's the tool that's always work. Become aware. Have balance. Connect. Decide. And evaluate. Go all the way back to breathing. What if you taking care of your adult relationship very simply started with breathing? The best physical connection my wife and I have ever shared, the best mental connection, the best spiritual connection, and the best emotional connection we have ever had in the 12 years we've been together, always began with conscious breathing. Even sometime where she's breathing on the couch and I start matching her breathing, she looks at me and goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, you're breathing, aren't you? You're doing the breathing thing. And she's done it on me. These complex problems can be solved by the basics. Breathing, nature, questions, and apologies. With our exes, before we get on the phone with them, breathe. Take a walk out in nature and watch how fast you forget as soon as you dial the number. And they, hello, and you're like, oh, you know what, you should have never, and I always, and I said, well, not. It, we're going we're gonna to screw it up. We're going to mess this up. But if we go back to breathing and nature and questions and apologies, asking ourselves questions, making ourselves breathe, uh, taking ourselves in nature, taking care of our bodies until we get to the point where a yoga date night is actually a fun thing to do. I'm not there yet. Just, just, in, just <laughs> as the, the, the Tai Chi mornings are not her fun idea of a date, but our breakfast afterwards when we're feeling good and we've been breathing, whether it's yoga or Tai Chi is irrelevant. Our bodies are open, awake, and aware, and we start breathing and asking questions and apologizing, and we're, we're connected. If there's more to this conversation that needs to be had, tell me an email, say do part two, or if this is a good start and we just want to ride with this for a while, then let's, let's do that. But it's now 7.02. I want to honor your hour. I'm happy to stay a little bit longer if people need it, but comments, criticisms, critiques, questions. We're good. I appreciate everything and I'm, I'm just riding with it. And every day is a teaching tool to me now. Good. Good, good. Anyone else? Anybody got anything? Go take care of yourselves. Go take care of your adult relationships. You are taking care of your kids. We're helping. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. Take those family sessions with your therapist as deep as you can. If you want to want one without your kid, never hesitate to ask. Okay. All right, you guys. Um, I will see you soon. By the way, there's a podcast being released tonight. As soon as I get off, I'm going to go release it of a young man who, when he was in our facility, he was a girl and he's just gone through his top surgery and been in recovery. And I've known Hunter for a long time. Um, 
It is a really potent thing that answers a lot of questions about transgender persons. If that's something that you've had a question about, if your kid has ever come to you with questions about themselves, um, it's a powerful how to navigate it as, as parents. I also have reposted the Cell Phone and Pedophiles podcast with Sheriff uh, Harris from the Lakewood Police Department. Please listen to that one so that you know how to check your kid's phone for danger. Um, and then, uh, as always, you guys, uh, thank you for the opportunity to work with your kids. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for being on the call tonight, you guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility. And also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.